Like many of you, we battled depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face. Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox. Hey, Blake, what's going on, buddy? Hello, James Cox. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. We're back. We're back. Last uh, last week we had two uh, interview uh, specials for for the public to yeah. to hear. So that was very very good. But uh, yeah. yeah, we 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 took a we took a week off. You know, so yeah. we needed a break. I needed a break to rejuvenate myself and, and 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 you too. You know. Yeah. So and we're back. Back all, at it. Back good. at it with a normal episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it's been a while since we did one of these, which is yeah. great. Because honestly, I love doing these with you because you uh, bring uh, new new bands and music to to my attention. And this week, I've never really? heard of this gentleman we're going to talk about today. Oh yeah, well I I think part of my nerdiness um, when it comes to superheroes and just useless knowledge um there's a part of my brain that stores all that stuff right that also stores a lot of useless music knowledge and like an appreciation and a and and like looking at a musician or a band in a new light and uh this is definitely one of those situations right um the story we're talking about today of andrew mcmahon um and if you're if you're starting this episode out and you're you're thinking about maybe skipping it because you have no idea who Andrew McMahon is, I guarantee you at some point with what we're talking about today, you know who Andrew McMahon is. Um, he's just he's had his his fingers in everything over the last twenty years yeah. that involves music at some point, right? Um, and his uh his music career has spanned so many years and so many genres that. It, at some point you had to have heard something that he was a part of. I think that's a really cool, uh, cool story. And then the, it, just a very inspiring story about this guy too, just from his, uh, you know, all his health issues that he had and coming so close to death in the, Ooh, like it, at the yeah. height of his career. Right. Um, you know, it's just a very touching and inspiring story. Um, and, uh, I can't wait to talk about it. I saw a documentary on this guy years ago and I was a fan of his before I watched the documentary. And after I watched it, I was, uh, it's one of those, wow, I have a new, newfound respect and appreciation for this individual. So nice. this is, this is, this is exciting. Nice. Well, yeah. th- this is 2021, the year where everything is opening back now. Oh, and we're getting there. We're getting there slowly because, because, um, you, you and I were going to go to, uh, Still play the concert, which which you can go do two reasons. Um, you know, I don't know what you want to talk about, but uh, dude, that was so that was such an amazing concert. I do have footage, and I'm going to upload it on our Instagram page. Cool, yeah, um, I can't wait to see it, man. Today, tomorrow, well, it was super weird, dude, because when when you have uh, have you ever been to in 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 the Senate? Columbia? Yes, I have. Okay. Uh-huh. I've been there a few times for a few different shows. Okay, yeah, so you know how big it is, right? Oh yeah. So when I walked in, I was immediately, uh, I guess the word is flabbergasted. You know, yeah, that's a whiteboard word, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I was flabbergasted, right, by the by the endless amount of tables they have that are six feet apart. 
Mm. I'm like, what is this? This is, you know, this is a, a concert, right? But but it was. Yeah. Uh, they had tables spread out, you know, six feet apart. You got to pick your own table, sat down, right. enjoy the show. And that's what yeah. me and my cousin did. My uh, cousin um, w- with me because he lives right near me. Okay, cool. So, yeah, uh, I think it was his first time hearing Steel Panther. So that was a joy for me because Steel Panther is one of the most craziest Funniest bands of all time, you know. Oh yeah, they're they're interesting to say the least. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for for anybody that doesn't know what they went through, they uh they really, really, really love the eighties. They're all about hair metal, you know. Hair oh, bands. They're stuck. they're stuck in the eighties, no doubt. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, but I love it. But they're so good, dude. Because um, oh, amazing. They yeah. started out as a, I I think they started out as 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 middle school. Because they were the house band during Gene Simmons's roast, I think. Oh, really? Remember that? Yeah, I remember we, that. We, we had, yeah, that was them in middle school. Okay. So I'm not sure when their Steel Panther days came about, but uh, maybe we can get one of the guys on and you know talk to them oh, about. That'd it. be cool. Yeah, that would be so cool. Um, yeah. But let's focus on 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 today's episode. Um, yeah, I've uh, got a I've got a. Uh, this episode's coming out on May 3rd, so I've got a This Day in Music for May 3rd. Again, you can check this this website out, thisdayinmusic.com. Yeah. It's where I find all these things. Uh, maybe we should reach out to whoever made this website. We should have them on and be like, you know, we use your your website uh, quite frequently, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, May 3rd, happy May to everybody. Um, may the 4th be with you uh, for all the Star Wars yeah. fans. <laughs> Um, and also Revenge of the Fifth. Uh, oh, and uh, before you start, which is your favorite Star Wars movie? Mm, okay, I get chastised every time when I say this, okay. but I think my favorite Star Wars movie mm-hmm. is Force Awakens. That's the first movie in the second in the new in the new okay. trilogy, right? Okay. Yeah, in the 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 sequel trilogy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, because that was when Ray first came to the screen, right? Yes. Um, that was yeah, a pretty when Ray came in. That was a pretty decent movie, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought I thought it was good. I was I was late. What much like our subject that we're talking about today. I was very late to Star Wars. Right. Um, it took me a while to really get into Star Wars as I sip my coffee through my Star Wars. Uh, coffee mug too. Um, <laughs> but i was very late to the game on star wars yeah. um i enjoyed this the prequel movies as a kid um i thought darth maul was really scary looking but cool yeah um so i enjoyed the prequel movies but i didn't understand the hatred for them until i watched i finally sat down and watched the original trilogy probably 10 years ago and i was like i understand why people don't like the prequel trilogy now yeah. and now i fully understood i mean I, I got the the basic concept of it but as mm. far as understanding why people love star wars mm. i didn't get it until about 10 years ago right um i still enjoy the prequel movies burn me at the stake i'm I, i'm a human being and That's an american right. and i will say what i want there you, um, there you go we're in america but, yeah what? my favorite my favorite star wars movie would probably be force awakens and i'll tell you why because I was, for me personally, I was late to the game, but I understood every reference. I understood every cameo. I understood every, like, I I felt, I'm right there with you. I felt the same emotions when Han Solo and Chewbacca showed up on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. 
like and they were they were returning right um i i also sat there and gasped at the end whenever ray is uh talking to luke skywalker and he's old and he's got a beard and his hair is long and stuff like that i was like it's freaking luke skywalker (laughs) so i had the same reaction in mandalorian when luke skywalker i'm i'm a fan now trust me i I am a fan but mine is mine is force awakens have Um, uh have you seen rogue one yes (sighs) me that's mine dude that's Dude, there's something about I I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the amazing storyline actors. Yeah, I don't know, but that's like that, yeah that that solidified my 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 favorite movie. It's good, and it you're is. you're all. I'm also gonna get chastised for this, but I've never finished Rogue One. Oh, dude, you need. I to. know. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I'm not the only one. Like Rogue One is is good. Yeah. All right, I said that back. I have finished it. I've seen the ending. I know how awesome the ending is. Yeah, okay, yeah. But the movie for me, when I watched it, excuse me, for the first time, it was very, it's a very slow burn. Right. The movie takes a while to kind of <laughs> it does. get to it does. the point. And every time I've tried to watch it in one sitting, I fall asleep. And it's just because I'm, I'm kind of like, <laughs> it's not that I'm not Look interested because I, I am interested. It's just... <sighs> Right. I f- and I fall asleep watching anything. I, f- I fell asleep watching Age of Ultron in the movie oh, theater too. So, I, and okay. I'm an Avengers fan, like you wouldn't believe. So, right. yeah, that's okay because I did too, to be honest with you. But the but, ending to Rogue One is so cool. Yeah, yeah. With but, Darth Vader and it sinking up to a new hope. I, I, yeah, yeah. So cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So today, what happened today on on May third? Can you explain? Okay, so yeah, back to back to this day <laughs> and music fine. on May third. <laughs> So uh, we got a twofer for 1968, okay? So in uh, 1968, on May 3rd, the Beach Boys opened their U.S. tour, uh, on which the co-headliner was Maharashi Mahesh Yogi, all right? The second half of the concert, which featured Maharashi Mahesh Yogi, I'm probably butchering that, um, lectured the audience on a spiritual regeneration, okay? This is 1968. This is just what you did. Uh, the reaction was so negative that more than half of the people uh, or more than half of the remaining tour dates were canceled. Hmm. So they learned their lesson. Don't bring someone that's going to talk about spiritual regeneration. Yeah. Especially um, at a concert, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> jam. that's kind of right. Yeah. Um, also in 1968, the Jimi Hendrix experience recorded voodoo child. Mm. Oh man. Mm. And that, that's like my favorite song yeah. about Jimi Hendrix, man. Um, it was featured on Electric Ladyland, uh, the double album, and became a UK number one single on uh, November 21st of 1972, months after Jimi Hendrix had died. Yeah. Uh, Hendrix's solo on the track was named the 11th greatest solo of all time in Guitar World's 100 Greatest Guitar Solos. 11. So, so I was I, okay. So if that's the 11th, I I I I beg to wonder what's the one through 10. I mean to beat out Hendrix. Come on now. Yeah, I guarantee you that uh, Little Wayne is on there at some point. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. What a strange time. Also, let me, also Fred Durst playing guitar. <laughs> Fred he, Durst. He, 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 they're number one and number two back to back. You know. <laughs> we we've got to do a whole episode just on Fred Durst. Not on Lint Biscuit, just on Fred just Durst. Like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in 1969, Jimi Hendrix uh, again was arrested by police on his way to Toronto for possession of hashish and 
heroin. Mm. Um, Hendricks then claimed that the drugs had been planted on him. I don't know. He seemed like more of the kind of guy that just wanted to trip out and write right. music yeah. rather than do hardcore drugs. So maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe. No. And we'll never know. Um, in 1976, David Bowie played the first of six sold-out nights at Wembley Stadium uh, on his station-to-station -to -station tour, uh, his first UK gig in three years. Um, 1980, by the way, Bob Seger came up a lot on this uh, this uh, article, like a whole lot, Yeah. and it was hard for me to figure out which Bob Seger things to talk about because I was like, oh, surely I can't talk about every single time. Right. It, May 3rd was a big day for Bob Seger. Yeah. Um, so Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band started a six-week run at number one on the U.S. album chart for Against the Wind. Do you like Bob Seger? I love Bob Seger, man. One of my favorite. Metallica's cover of Turn the Page is so uh, good. Yeah. Jeez. Um, let's skip forward a few years. 1997, the uh, Notorious B.I.G. I love B.I.G. Yeah. Started a three-week run at number one on the U.S. singles uh, singles chart with his uh, hit Hypnotize. Such yeah. a banger. Um <laughs> Uh, a number 10 hit in the UK. Um, and then later on uh, in uh, 1997 on March, or excuse me, previously in 1997, he'd actually been gunned down and killed on March 9th right. of that year. Did, um, did, so, they ever, did they ever find out the killer or what, like what was so. Superman behind that one too? There, there, it seems like there was a documentary and maybe a YouTube series that really, we could do a whole episode on this too. Um, yeah. That really dug into the the story of when uh, Biggie and Tupac were killed because they were killed so close together and in, in yeah, such like, a similar fashion. Yeah, more like four months together. Four, Something four like that. Apart. It was yeah. very close together. Yeah. Um, and he, honestly, I believe Tupac is still alive. They say that he. I I think I heard he he was in, still in Cambodia or some some other. Far Listen, away island or something. All I've got to say is that dude has so much music that is still being released. There's no way he could have been able to record all that stuff. And then, yeah, we're not going to get into it really too much right now. But that's I just want to let you know there's a <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's a rapper out there that is constantly releasing music that doesn't do live shows, yeah. doesn't show his face. Sounds an awful lot like Tupac. Just saying. What's his name? I forgot the name. Because I got it. We'll, I got we'll do an you, Yeah, we you, we got to do an episode on that. You piqued my interest now. I got to hear this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. I got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is me. This is this is what I. <laughs> right. Yeah. What I live for. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So Biggie still putting out number one hits even after he died. Um. Yeah. And then uh, skip forward a little bit further here in 2004, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected an appeal by two musicians who claimed they were owned, uh, they were owed royalties from Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, bassist Robert Daisley and drummer uh, Lee Kerslake had fought a long-running battle uh, since 1997 with the Osbourne family, claiming that they were entitled to money from the albums Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Sharon Osbourne, uh, Ozzy's wife and manager, Right. Um, yes, his wife was his manager. Yep. Said that the pair had, <laughs> isn't that great? Mm -hmm. Said that the pair had been harassed, or excuse me, had harassed her family and had their contributions removed from the albums because of their abusive and unjust behavior, according mm -hmm. to Sharon. Excuse me, I'm a little stopped up tonight. That's fine. Um, and then in 2008, rap star Sean Diddy Combs. P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, whatever you want to call him, uh, was honored with a, I wonder what what name they went with for this. 
um, was honored with a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. The 38-year-old dedicated the star to his father, who was shot dead in 1972. Okay, so here's some useless knowledge about P. Diddy. Okay. Hit me up. Now, if if you are, are you a fan of WWE, WWF wrestling? When I was, when I was younger, I was. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, okay, so, do you you remember Brother Love? Brother Love. He was, uh, he was the the first Undertaker's manager. Okay. He came like, like all, like white, tailored suit, red face. I love you. You know, kind of that gimmick. Okay. So, Pop Daddy, P Diddy, Comb, Sean, whatever you want to call him now, you know. (laughs) Um, He says, I guess he was changing the name, and he got on Twitter or something, and he's like, all right, so from now on, I am Brother Love. And every single wrestling fan said, nope, you're not. Take that off your name. We we don't want to hear it, you know, because the real Brother Love is this guy. You're nowhere near, you know, so, so, so. Diddy now it just I guess goes by Diddy still. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure yeah. what he's going by these days. Yeah, but they wouldn't have him be ever called Brother Love because that's already taken. You know, man. So, yeah, they shut that down. You quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Um, I got one more here, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. Uh, but in 2007, the Eagles were suing a hotel in Mexico that calls itself the Hotel California after mm. the band's hit song and album. The rock band claimed that the 11-room hotel in Todos Santos um, actively encourages guests to believe it is associated with them in order to sell merchandise. Mm. Uh, They claim the hotel plays Eagle songs in the lobby and sells T-shirts describing the venue as legendary. Um, We did an episode on Not Religious one time around Halloween about... um, I can't remember the story exactly. I'd have to go back and listen to that episode, but it was regarding like satanic. It was like, Oh, it was, it was the satanic panic episode we did. Apparently there was a lot of people that thought that the Eagles were like summoning the devil in hotel California. So strange times. How, you know, no, no, the Eagles of all, of all the bands, they think that the Eagles are satanic. Funny thing about um, funny thing about Eagles is I'm sure you you know, but um, uh, that is the most that is the highest selling album of all time now. Is it now? Michael Jackson is number two, but I don't yeah. consider that that album because it's their greatest hits. So that's oh, not a, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah so, that's right. So that's not an album. Michael Jackson still yep. Michael Jackson still the king it. of you know the king of you know. That's taking the easy way out. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, sales are sales, so they got it. Sales, are, yeah, they don't care. They're like, whatever, it's money in our pocket. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The record is, company definitely doesn't care. No, long as someone's um, getting paid, right? Yeah. Well. All so, right. Okay. Well, so cool. that was it. That was this day in music. Cool. Well, thank you for that. that that's all interesting stuff, especially to Jimmy Hendrix, you know, because. Who knows he pops they... up in every single one we do. He's he was yeah. a very busy person, right? So he was a very busy man, getting getting high or all the time with something with drugs. I don't know, what, you know. So gave us um, great music, though. Yeah, but thank you, drugs. I will tell you that the only McMahon that I know of is is Vince, Shane, <laughs> Linda, and Stephanie. I know nothing about Andrew Ross McMahon and so, Ed. 
McMahon. <laughs> right. Yes, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, because like he was um, um. Oh man. Uh, what was that show? Yeah. Um, Star Search. Yes. Yep. Yes. Star Search. Well, Ed McMahon. Well, um, uh, yeah. I'll be glad to tell you about uh, Andrew McMahon. Uh, so yeah, we're this is. I want to I want to say again, like. You know how I, I said I was a little late to the Star Wars party. Um, my introduction to Andrew McMahon was definitely Jack's mannequin. Um, I was very late to the game for something uh, something corporate. Um, I know that now, like something corporate, listening to those songs that came out twenty years ago, they did a lot for the pop punk revival that was coming or the excuse me the pop punk movement in general like there really wasn't a whole lot of pop punk before the early 2000s blink you know blink was around green day was around but it just didn't they were still just considered punk bands there was something that happened in the early 2000s where it it became mainstream and blink 182 is on the radio and some 41 and newfound glory and all these bands um, and something corporate was very influential for a lot of the, the bands that not only were coming out then, but are coming out now. And to be such a different band, because the, like Andrew McMahon played piano, like not keyboards. He played the straight up piano in the band. Hmm. Um, they had a full size piano at all their live sets. Like it, it's, it's just unheard of, you know, kind of like yellow card with a violin. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I, I hate that I was so late to the game for something corporate because I love something corporate now. Uh, now, and Jack's mannequin was great too, but I find myself liking more of something corporate than I do anything else that he's done. And I just hate that I missed that boat. You know, right. like I could have, I could have been a part of that. You know, <laughs> right? But, um, but yeah, just the this this story is really great. I, I'm really excited to talk about this. So we'll we'll hop right into it. Right. Um. So Andrew Ross McMahon, uh, born September 3rd, 1982, is an American singer and songwriter. He was the vocalist, pianist, and primary lyricist for the band Something Corporate, and uh, also main songwriter for Jack's Mannequin, and performs uh, both solo under his own name and as, uh, as well as his moniker, Andrew McMahon, in the wilderness. A nice little play on words, because normally it's like the, the person's name and the something. But this is... Andrew McMahon in the wilderness. I think it's really cool. Okay. And he, and yeah. he's only two years younger than me. What's that? Sorry. I and missed that. And he's only two years younger than me. Cause I'm, yeah. cause I'm born in 1980. He was born in 82. 82. So, yep. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So he's, so, yeah. he's what? 39. Cause I'm 41. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, Andrew uh, McMahon was born in Concord, Massachusetts. He bri- uh, briefly lived in Hohokus, uh, New Jersey, in, until 1991 when his family moved to Bexley, Ohio, where he attended Cassingham Elementary School. Uh, McMahon's family relocated frequently due to his father's occupation in retail, um, which is pretty – you don't hear about that. Usually it's a lot of moving around because their family is, like, in the military or something. Right, but like, it's like, like mine was, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> so you guys did a lot of moving around. Yeah. Well, his father was in retail, which caused him to, to move around a lot. I just it, it caught me off guard. I was kind like, "Is strange. that right?" Did I look into that more? Anyway, 
Um, McMahon recalls that while he was in fourth grade, they briefly stayed in California to support his mother's family after the loss of her brother. Um, following the death of his uncle, who was an artist himself, McMahon became inspired to get involved with music and began teaching himself piano soon after that. It's interesting to see a loss um, that can ex- inspire you to do something artistic as a, a means of coping, as a means of uh, just dealing with loss. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, and, and especially teach yourself. That's that's amazing. Right. Well, okay. So from where, from when you just read that, I think that he wanted to take up something to get his mind off of. The death of his uncle. Of his uncle, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and music's such a powerful tool anyway. You know, yeah. m- you know, music can take you right up there, you know. I That's mean, the whole intent of this this whole podcast is, right. is to, to show you how music is inspiring, inspiring what it yeah. can do and help you heal. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then McMahon's family decided to settle in California shortly uh, before he entered, he entered the uh, eighth grade. He would later describe himself as a pudgy, outgoing, artistic little kid who never, uh, who never quite fit in with the California scene. Um, he graduated from Dana Hills High School in 2000. Um, but, so uh, not, not that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> so we, <laughs> right. If yeah. you ask me, like, if you say that something happened in 2000, I'm like, yeah, that was like five years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was, yeah. But actually, <laughs> it's like 11 years ago now, right? Because we're yeah, in 2021. Yeah, I graduated from high school ten years ago. Yeah, but see, that's a long time for me, dude. That might that might be not be a long time for you, but for me, yeah. it's like ages ago. You know, you know, yeah. So. I'm constantly reminded every day. There you oh, go. God. Yeah. So. I'm so old. I found I keep finding gray hairs in my beard. Mm. Um, like I just find like a few, and it, that kind of excites me. I'm I'm kind of yeah. into the salt and pepper yeah. thing. I, I I think I'll enjoy that i really really want gray hair i even so much i try to dye my hair gray but it won't take for some reason i gotta wait it won't. no you just need to stress yourself out more uh, kind of <laughs> yeah i guess i guess because because my dad has like gray hair and like a white head i'm like i want you oh i want that so, yeah oh people call me strange for that i'm like i don't care i want to be you know so uh do you want me to take this next section? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Go right so, ahead. Okay, so we're going to do an introduction to music and his career. Okay. Mm-hmm. So McMahon started playing at the piano at age nine. Um, the following year, he began performing piano solos before he could even read music. Mm. Awesome. McMahon stated, my brother was a good player, and I th- and I started playing by ear. After, the, after a year of that, I began writing songs and found outlets to perform them at school ex- assemblies. Eventually, I got lessons. Uh, so McMahon started his first band, Left Here, mm-hmm. uh, with his high school friends and feature uh, something corporate bandmates Kevin Page on bass and Brian Ireland on drums in 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they won a local Battle of the Bands competition, they soon broke up. Man... I hate it when yeah. it happens, you know. What could have been? Yeah, yeah. Uh, McMahon went on to recording the self-released uh, four-track demo CD, Andrew McMahon, mm-hmm. uh, with the aid of several friends of his, uh, including jo- including guitarist 
uh, Josh Partington, whom he had met his second year in high school, uh, joined by rhythm guitarist Ruben Hernandez. The, the quintet formed the piano rock band Funky Corporate in 98. So this that, is it. So that's, it starts. So that's pretty weird that they brought in the piano with a rock band, you know. Of course, he had yeah. Brian Sensor's orchestra band, but that was like an orchestra band. That was a whole, you know. And I think yeah. Brian Sensor came from Stray Cats, a, a punk yeah. band. So, yep. yeah, so uh, it's, it's interesting and awesome at the same time because the piano... Uh, my sister took piano for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she can still play, it, even though she says she can't. You know, so I don't know. But I find, but but I find that kind of interesting that they included the piano with, yeah. with with rock. Well, it's it like I said, it this is during the height of the the pop punk uh, movement. So you got your early two thousands. Blink one eighty two is all over the place. Um, they're leading the charge of what's coming, what's slowly developing and uh, what kind of dies out and then makes a huge comeback. And, uh, you know, the, the usual format is you have uh, it's either a three or four piece band. Uh, You got your guitars that are driving the majority of the song. Um, And then you have something corporate that comes along and the main focus and the main instrument in all the songs is centered around a piano. Right. It's not to say that pianos have no place in rock music at, uh, at all because they do. But like I said earlier, that's usually a keyboard. You have somebody playing keys. Which, and which derives from the piano. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so yeah. this is a full on no, uh, th- there's no effects. It's a straight up piano and it's just, it's, it's very different. And he doesn't play a keyboard live. It's a full scale piano i can't stress that enough that mm-hmm. that's something that stuck out to me like a great like a, like, a, like a grand piano like what are the yeah, big boys? Like a grand piano yeah. yep yeah it is uh so i can imagine that the uh the roadies had a really good time loading oh, that stage yeah. every night <laughs> but um so yeah it's just it, bands like that catch my attention yellow card stood out to me because there's a guy playing the violin right. um yeah you know it it's and to say that that stuff doesn't have a place in punk music at all. I think that's very punk rock of them right. to incorporate something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, someone else um, just came to my mind. I forgot her name, but she is a violinist with uh-huh. a little bit of rock background. She, she dances while she plays violin. Maybe you heard of her. Um, or what's her name? She, she did the song crystallize. Um, I don't know. Yeah, might have to look that up. Yeah, it may come to me. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now while while you introduce okay. something. Corporate. Sure. Yeah. So I'll I'll tell you about something corporate here. Um. So McMahon met the rest of the group in his high school, as we said earlier, and uh, later decided on the moniker something corporate as a joke. It started out as a joke. Green Day was the same way. Green Day was a joke name, and it just stuck. Yeah. So, uh, fronted by McMahon, the group recorded their self-released ten-song demo, Ready break in 2000 uh, which led to a record deal with the indie record label drive through records drive through records had a lot of great bands uh under their uh their wing there that's where uh newfound glory the starting line uh all, all these bands made their their big debuts was under drive through records um drive through released the band's nationwide distributed debut ep audio boxer the following year 
McMahon's vocals, songwriting skills, and incorporation of the piano earned the album rave reviews and caught the attention of Drive Thru's distributor, MCA, which is now Geffen uh, Records. Right. Uh, due to the label's distribution deal, MCA was able to sign over uh, something corporate and release their major label debut, Leaving Through the Window, in May of 2002. What a great album. Leaving Through the Window, man. That's We talked about getting vinyl records of like our favorite albums. Yeah. Leaving Through the Window is, is definitely up there with me. Mm-hmm. Um, the band promoted the album by playing shows across the United States, uh, which included the main stage at the Vans Warped Tour, uh, as well as supporting Newfound Glory, as I mentioned earlier, uh, on their European tour. Something Corporate released their second uh, full-length album, North, on Geffen Records in late of 2003. Um, as of 2004, the band is no longer under uh, under contract to any label. Oh. So, yeah, there, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it briefly uh, coming up, yeah. um, but uh, I guess the band is not technically broken up. They're just under a hiatus. Right. They're all st- still great friends. Um, but they just don't plan on doing any more music together as far as putting out albums. They still, you know, will do reunion shows and uh, things like that, but they're not a band anymore. Well, I guess the, the reason for reunions is to see if they still feel the love of that music that they make together, right? And, and, yeah. and potentially come back. Yeah, I, so I think that's... if if you were to ask Andrew McMahon, you know, why doesn't something corporate release any new music, they're not in the same place that they used to be. Right, um, and right. you can see, and we're going to talk about the uh, the evolution of his music and like how it, you know, it's very pop punk with something corporate. They're just not, you know, uh, fresh out of high school anymore like these are these right. are adults these are you know they got families and they're just yeah. they're not the they're not as, like well, like upset you know as like hungry as it yeah. normally is you know yeah i mean uh, so the song uh if you see jordan which is a a really funny also another funny play on words that they have because it it kind of spells out f-u jordan um it's a song about a guy that bullied him in high school and uh he like you know talks about him being a redheaded uh can you bleep this out (laughs) when i say it the end of the lyrics is like you can dye your hair but you'll always be a little redheaded oh no (laughs) yeah like that's bad you know you know he's he's not 18 anymore talking about somebody that bullied him in high school you know right um and right. but he knows that the fans love those songs and there's people that have emotional connections to these songs hurricane by them every time i hear it uh it's just it takes me way back to you know good times when i was younger um hurricane's a very special song for me but um yeah it's just it's different now the the and especially after the thing that this guy's been through with his uh coming so close to death and he matured a lot with his music and um you can see that as time goes on Right, right. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So tell us about the uh, the hiatus of something corporate. Sure, sure. So in oh. uh, summer two thousand four, uh, the band grew ex- exhausted from spending years on the road, and decided to take a break, like like they always do, you know. 
get yeah. on the road, take a break. Right. Uh, so the, the band promised the break would not be a permanent one in the 2005 interview with uh, con- Concert Pipeline. Uh, McMahon said, I think for us all, it just got to the point where we were like, yeah, let's just go be our, be our own people for a minute. Uh, not out of desire to leave the band or break up something corporate. Quite the opposite. Let's reconnect with all, with all the things that spawned the band in the first place. So in January and February of 2005, the band toured across the U.S. alongside uh, Stray Light Run, uh, Hidden in Plain View, and Academy Is, or The Academy Is, and Armor mm-hmm. for Sleep, which are ba- all ba- band names. Yeah, man. There and this is all right. This is my golden years of right. <laughs> of music. Right. Yeah. Um, I was definitely a emo kid to the to the extreme, man. Like emo music was my jam. Emo and pop punk is all I listened to at this so, time. So, so, so we can say my chemical romance lived in your house. Oh yeah, uh, no <laughs> doubt. It was, yeah. it was my chemical romance all day long. Yeah, Straylight Run. I loved Straylight Run. Um, which, funny enough, if you're a fan of Taking Back Sunday, uh, the singer for Straylight Run was one of the original vocalists uh, for Taking Back Sunday before leaving the band, starting this. Now he's back oh. with Taking Back Sunday. Um, but uh, yeah, Hidden in Plain View. The Academy is um, for any of you that are listening that may be um, fans of like modern uh praise and worship music uh one of the guitarists for hillsong united played guitar in the academy is um and then armor for yeah in that in that crazy yeah uh, uh, and then hillsong um, united is strictly like a christian band now right yeah 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 they're they're a big and you know i, yeah, I know great. i play i play christian music great and music. i play a lot of praise and worship music yeah. every week at my church but i really don't listen to a lot of it um but I love Hillsong United. They just have, they're just different. They have a lot of really good songs that I don't get tired of listening to. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so one of their guitarists, I, I forgot his name, but he he actually played in the Academy Is whenever they were still around. That's awesome. Uh, and then Armor for Sleep, that, that's another great band that, that uh, came out during that time. They have a great uh, concept album about a guy who dies in a... Um, in a car crash, uh, like it runs off a bridge and like, you know, goes into the, the water and he dies or whatever. And it's like his, uh, like kind of transition into the afterlife. It's a really cool album. So right. check out those bands, please. And, uh, relive my childhood with me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> see these bands live would just be amazing. I never, I've never seen any of them. So, yeah. um, in December of 2005, the band announced that they would regroup in January of 2006 for rehearsals uh, and plan to write their third album. Uh, in July of 2006, though, McMahon said uh, that the group's hiatus wouldn't be permanent and that they talked of touring uh, early to mid-2007 and also entered the studio after McMahon was finishing working on the second Jack's Mannequin album. Uh, we'll get to Jack's Mannequin in a, in a minute here, but uh, in 2006, Something Corporate reunited to perform three songs, um, Constantine, great song. I woke up in a car, another great bop, 
And then my favorite song, Hurricane. Uh, they they played at the end of McMahon's set with Jack's Mannequin at the Bamboozle Left Festival. Uh, and then in December of 2007, Ma- uh, McMahon said that something corporate status as a band could be described as in suspended animation. Uh, he told Alternative Press that he is more nostalgically, excuse me, nostalgically charged than creatively charged to make something corporate again. Oh, so, oh. yeah. Well, what a word, bamboozled left festival. Yeah, I never, I never went to any of the bamboozle festivals, but um, uh, we're going to talk about bamboozle again here in just a minute. But uh, another string of great festivals from what i've heard i remember seeing a lot of lineups for the bamboozle festival and it was kind of kind of like gosh i wish i could go to that i forgot where it's at but it was like something far something somewhere far off that i just couldn't make it to but very jealous of anybody that was able to go to those especially to see something corporate and jack's mannequin yeah Yeah. in the same set be amazing so in a february 2009 interview with les uh lansing state journal Andrew McMahon discussed the future of something corporate. And he said, uh, as for a releasing of a full length with the tour in the classical sense, I don't see that happening. But we're all great friends, and I don't see us putting together new material and hitting the road. Uh, The fans who have been supportive and such a huge part of our lives that I would feel horrible not to at least give him something. Yeah. So he gets it. Yeah. yeah. You know, he knows that people still want that. Um, and uh, even though this was, that was 11 years ago when he said that it's yeah. still, you know, uh, he still, he still understands it to this day. He knows that there's, there's a lot of people that want something corporate to be a band again. And I mean, he's not going to deny them that it, it's just, you have to know how to service those fans. And to be honest with you, if something corporate came back and it sounded all like Andrew McMahon in the wilderness, which sounds totally different from something corporate, that that wouldn't make the fans happy. They want it to sound like leaving through the window, but, and it it just, it can't, It, it just can't. So what do you do? You play all the songs that people love you for from that era. Right, yeah. And that's how you make them happy. Right. Well, yeah. see, there is a way how to do that and give the fans what they want. They, they, they can continually make records, but never tour. Yeah. And that's something that I I think Tool has done that mm. um, very well, I guess, because you never hear, you know, Maynard James Kenyon doing anything except making records for Perfect Circle, Tool, and I've never seen them tour you know, or come close to us, which is fine. You know, I'm I'm yeah. I'm sure that they have, but you, you never really hear anything about bad about Tool. Um, yeah. For so for so many years, they never released an album until like like two years ago, and, and people still love them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, My oldest sister actually got to see Tool. Um, oh, nice. like in the nineties. Yeah. yeah nice. And she said it's like the best show that she's ever been to. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yep. And I was listening to a perfect circle, uh, a, a perfect circle yesterday at the gym, thinking about the Constantine movie that I never watched, um, even though it's based on a DC character. Oh, I was just telling Allie about it. I was like, "We've got to watch this movie." I've been trying to watch it ever since I was like twelve years old, and I haven't watched it. Yet. Dude, it's on HBO Max. 
I knew. That's what I told her. I was like, it's a Warner Brothers. It's a DC Warner Brothers product, and we can watch it right now. So we're going to get She loves Cameron Reeves. Okay, so I demand. Does Commander demand better words? Okay, so I demand and command you to watch it tonight or tomorrow because Constantine 2 is in the works. Yeah, I heard. Oh, yeah, that's going to be really, really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we also need to finish uh, Mortal Kombat. We haven't finished it yet. About halfway through. It looks awesome so far. Um, I got a few things yeah, to say so, about it. But, yeah. But I'm not going to you know, spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's talk about Jack's mannequin. Let's, okay. do, let's do it. So, uh, like I mentioned before, this was, the, this was my introduction to Andrew McMahon. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. wait. We we totally skipped over they they re, they they did a reunion tour. Oh uh, yeah, in, in in August 2010. Yep. So yeah, so they they announced it in in 2009, December fourth, and they did a reunion tour in August 2010. So, yep. Yeah. So, they did. So, so they yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they did. did, did they they did come back for like one one tour of the night. Just a short little tour. Um. Again, a lot of fan service. You know, right, right. not any new music. It's not playing, you know, an excuse for uh, Andrew McMahon to play Jack's Mannequin songs. Right. On something cor- Even though, like, some of the members of Something Corporate were also in Jack's Mannequin, yeah. which is, you know, typical. You see that happen a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so let's let's do it. Let's talk about Jack's Mannequin. Um, the initial impulse behind McMahon's solo project, uh, Jack's Mannequin, was... Uh, Locked Doors, which is a song he recorded in December of 2003, uh, which he felt was too different from pre- um, previous something corporate material. Um, he realized that if he would, by the way, this is a very similar like Tom DeLonge situation with Blink 182. Okay. Uh, just the writing style started to change so much that he knew it wasn't blinking anymore, so he started a, a different band. Um, but yeah, he realized that if he were to ever uh, dis- to decide to release it, um, it would be on a solo album rather than a something corporate record. Uh, the idea seemed to be off the table until late of summer uh, 2004. Uh, both McMahon and his bandmates were exhausted, as we mentioned before, from their months of touring um, and decided to take a break. So then, the fir- you know, some, uh, Jack's Mannequin happens. The first album, Everything in Transit, was released in August of 2005. After the release and the success of the first album, McMahon then proceeded to compose his... Uh, second Jack's Mannequin album, The Glass Passenger, which was released in September of 2008. Jack's Mannequin's uh, third and final album, People and Things, uh, was released in October of 2011. He stated that this new album would probably have a bit of freeness to it, distancing itself from The Glass Passenger. Mm. Yeah. Um, on a, on February 2nd of 2012, McMahon foreshadowed the end of Jack's Mannequin, saying, I foresee to an end of the usage of that name. I don't know what it is for me, uh, or I don't know that it's doing for me what it used to, in the sense that Jack's uh, sort of really represented a freedom from something and a real free approach to creating things that now is certainly wrapped up in a whole, a whole lot of turmoil and um, in a very difficult time in my life. Um, and to acknowledge that, I certainly think that at some point I'm going to have to find a way to shake that loose. And I think to some extent that might mean retiring the name. 
And on uh, November 11th and 12th of, of 2012, Jack's Mannequin performed their final shows under the moniker, uh, coinciding with the annual Dear Jack Foundation benefit, which we'll talk about later. Um, in uh, June of 2013, Live from the El Rey Theater was released to commemorate the final shows. Um, so he's done with both bands, like completely done, done with them. Yeah, done. done with them. Well, I think more so Jack's Mannequin than something corporate. Okay. Again, so when we when we talk about his uh, diagnosis later, you'll you'll kind of see you, time wise where we're, where we're at with with all this. Okay. So Jack's Mannequin for him. Uh, started out as a project was successful, but came during a very difficult time for him in the sense of he made it work, but then there's probably a lot of memories that go back to, uh, to what we're going to talk about later. Right. Um, But yeah, like this Jack's mannequin for me was right there with all those other emo bands that was out because that was kind of, kind of where they where they stood there's a little bit of pop punk in there that you there's enough of something corporate in there to pique your interest um especially with the song like the mixtape that's a great song that i probably would have thought that it was a something corporate song just the way that it's that it sounds dark blue you can definitely tell is def is a a different sound and, and going in a different direction right but um you know, there's elements of something corporate that's there. I listened to the whole album, uh, everything in transit yesterday while I was at the gym and came to find out that it's actually a, um, it's a concept album. Right. And you know, I'm a sucker for those. And it's about, uh, from what I read, it's a story about a guy who, um, like leaves his girlfriend and like moves to a different city and things like that. And he's kind of like coping with, with that type of thing. And it, it's, uh, the first song I'm not familiar with the name of it. Uh, and I can't remember the lyrics exactly, but it's interesting because he makes the opening song now to this concept album that came out during the time that he was diagnosed with leukemia. It's a, the lyrics are kind of opening with something along the lines of this girl saying she hasn't seen him in a while. And it looks like he lost a bunch of weight. She asks him if he's, sick or if he's okay or something like that it's very weird because th- this was written and recorded before he ever got sick Ooh, so yeah. i'm sure that's also not a nice reminder you know <laughs> no, what i mean right, right but um so, but yeah we'll we'll get to that later um yeah. i was a big jack's mannequin fan and um Allie's a big jack's mannequin fan she loves the song dark blue um and uh it's very it's a very sweet song yeah. and a great music video cool yeah so let's talk about his solo career. So after Jack sure. Redigan, he started his solo career, which which many um, singers do. Uh, yeah, you know they, they they branch off and they start their own uh, career um, solo. Yeah. So on August twenty fifth, twenty twelve, the Jack Redigan website redirected to andrewmingman dot com. Mm. That's pretty, you know. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty it's weird. Probably a shock for a lot of people. <laughs> right. So, uh, with McMahon deciding to put something, some put out some new music under his own name, along came along with the promise of new music, and it was announced soon after that he would be supporting the band Fun. That's a, that's a band that is um uh about the uh 
faster than uh, right. right. We are young. Yep, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, on their tour in early 2013, with the solo headlining tour uh, taking place in spring to 2013, McMahon played his first two solo shows in West Hollywood at the Viper Room in early uh, January 2013. Uh, so, touring musicians backing Andrew McMahon during these shows, including Jack's Mannequin, Alum. Uh, Jay, Jay McMillan and Mikey the Kid Wagner, uh, mm-hmm. joined by Joe Ballaro. Ballaro, I think is how you pronounce that. Jack Clark, um, Zach Clark, and Jeremy Hatcher. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on, uh, so on April thirtieth, twenty thirteen, McMahon released the Pop Underground EP produced by Mark Williams and Tony Hoffer, uh, followed by an appearance uh, on. O-A-R, Oars, Sounds of Summer, Tour, existing through August. Uh, Oars is a fantastic group. So, oh, yeah. So, so oh, that's yeah. a that's killer, killer, mm. killer lineup. Uh, you probably have to help me with this next word. Synesthesia, there I think go. is how I, Yeah, synesthesia. There you go. Uh, so that word uh, became the first single of Launching Man Man's <laughs> solo career. Uh, with an official music video that premiered on June 13th to 2013. Yeah. 2013. So, 2013. Yeah, a little bit of um, little bit of uh, success there with his solo uh, career, especially being able to tour with Fun, who, like, in 2012, yeah. 2013, I mean, they were it's, everywhere, yeah, man. Fun. Everywhere. I, you don't hear much from them anymore, but, like, during that time that was that song was all over the place uh they had a few other good songs that were out that i enjoyed for a pop group and a a group that was on the radio like they actually had some really good songs um so yeah pretty pretty successful um so if you're if you're listening to this episode and you're like guys i still don't know who Andrew McMahon is. I have no idea who something corporate is. I don't know who Jack's mannequin is. You lost me. Um, we're going to talk about his success that he had uh, with uh, NBC um, on the the show Smash. Do you remember that show? Honestly, I never heard of it, man. I never, I had never heard <laughs> of it either, but yeah. you know, he won, um, he won some awards for, for working on this television show, but Smash. Um, so in January of 2013, McMahon was listed as one of the new songwriters for the second season of the NBC series Smash, uh, signifying his first time writing um, uh, writing for musical theater. Showrunner Joshua Safran called McMahon the wild card of the bunch uh, of new songwriters hired for the second season and was hired because Safran was a fan of his previous bands. And that's how it all starts. If you put me in a position like that, I'm going to be like, yeah, dude, I was a punk rock kid when I was younger. Let's bring this guy in. Um, but um, man contributed three songs to the second season. I heard your voice in a dream reach for me and I'm not sorry. And I listened to all those in research for this episode and okay. they're good. Honestly, um, I heard your voice in a dream was actually met with critical acclaim uh, being nominated for an Emmy Award uh, for Outstanding Music and Lyrics and has sold 10,000 digital downloads as of uh, April 3rd of 2013. So that's a little outdated, but uh, still, that's a big deal even back then. Um, okay, so and then I, 
Yeah. So Smash is a musical drama on NBC, and I guess he wrote the music for yes. this musical drama show. Yeah. It came on. Oh, okay. okay yeah. yeah. Because I was mm-hmm. like, I never heard of the show, but I'm going to look it up anyway. Yeah. So, right. Um, it's an, it, it came out in 2012, I think. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So, yeah, if you were, and, and this is, this is around the time that I quit watching like regular TV. Right. Um, yeah. Netflix was starting to really take off and I was spending a lot of time just watching Netflix and uh, didn't catch up with like what was new on TV. So I, I didn't get on that train. <laughs> right. But yeah. Yeah. Um, on October 15th of 2013, New York City venue 54 Below announced plans to stage uh, Smash's fictional musical hit list in concert format. Um, and then on December 8th and 9th of 2013, hit list uh, was was performed for a three-show run. That would have been cool to see with McMahon yeah. in attendance. All three of his songs uh, were pinned for uh, that uh, of his songs pinned for Smash were performed, including his Jack's Mannequin track, Swim, uh, performed by Andy Mientis. Probably not saying that last name right there uh but uh on which mcmahon actually joined him and played piano so it's super super cool yeah it's hmm. interesting yeah so. so a little bit of success so we're we're starting to get there like a little bit more mainstream yeah he's had these successful bands but um it's just it's different and it's still cool to see hmm. uh someone from like the underground or at least started out kind of underground, like making something like, like winning an Emmy. Right. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. so cool. Right. Um, somebody that performed on the warp tour won an Emmy. It's just, right. it, it, you don't yeah. see it a lot. You yeah, know, no, you I remember the first time I saw SJC drums, uh, on an awards, uh, which is like one of my favorite drum companies, like being in very underground, um, starting to grow and uh the drummer for elton john was playing a sjc drum set and like you can see the logo uh behind elton john's head on some award show that's a big deal and i was just like (laughs) yes they made it (laughs) like elton john's drummer plays these things normally this is like panic at the disco and you know bands like that 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 use these things so it's just it was so cool to see i love breaking into the mainstream a little bit just a hint of it you know what i mean right like hey we're out here yeah pay attention right pick yeah. us up you know yeah so um yeah. so andrew mcmahon in the wilderness so i'm thinking that this is his fourth band fourth fourth band fourth, fourth jesus yeah this guy something is today. Yeah. yeah he's a busy guy but i this is the one that's this is current this is oh. uh okay so this, this is now this is now we're okay. we're up to date. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, on July eleventh, twenty fourteen, McMahon posted on his website that his next progression in his musical career would be to, to tour and release music under uh, under the moniker of Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness. So on July sixteenth, twenty fourteen, he released his first single under the new project entitled Cecilia and the Satellite. Named after the newborn daughter, uh, yeah, new, named after his, his newborn daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during the summer of 2014, they toured with Matt uh, Nathanson and Devin DeGraw 
I love Gavin DeGraw, he's dude. A, he's a country singer, right? No, he's not a country singer, but um, oh, let's see, what was the oh, song? I, I don't wanna be anything. Oh, but yeah, thank you. But he's but he's got some good songs, man. Chariot, I get it down is. in Chariot right, every yeah. time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so and Gavin DeGraw, in preparation for his first solo LP, uh, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, are released October 14, twenty fourteen. And coincided with a full North American headlining tour. Mm-hmm. Touring band members during this period, including Clark, McMillan, and Wagner. Uh, so, okay, so yeah, so you saw over those guys before. Uh, so, the Canyons EP was, di- was released digitally on November 20th, 2015, uh, containing four acoustic tracks from his self titled EP and two previously unreleased tracks. It limited the 10-inch uh, vinyl of the Canyon EP was later released on April 16, 2016 for Record Store Day. I mean, I love Record Store Day. You know? Isn't it cool? Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Um, So, Big Man performed on the Weezer and Panic at the Disco Summer Tour 2016 in support of Weezer's... Hold on. Did I read it right? In support of Weezer and Panic at the Disco. Yeah, and Panic at the Disco. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I, I thought I read it wrong. No, you're good. Okay, so (laughs) on September 8th, 2016, uh, McMahon released a new single, Fire Escape. On January 6th, 2017, Yeah. McMahon released a new single, So Close. His second solo album, Zombies on Broadway, was officially announced. Cool name. Very cool name. <laughs> uh, on November tenth on November tenth, twenty sixteen and released on February tenth, twenty seventeen. Uh the uh, um the announcement and release were followed by a spring twenty seventeen North American headlining tour titled Zombies in America. Also a, a, a really cool name. Great tour name. Yep. Yeah. Additional shows took place in the United United Kingdom and Japan. McMahon uh, and the touring band opened for Billy Joel for three shows. Uh, McMahon has cited the invitation to open for Joel was beyond the bucket list for me, as one would imagine. Yeah. Uh, so this is a realization for most for my of my most vivid childhood dream. Uh, the Zombies in America tour officially ended on November 11th, 2017 with the 8th Annual Deer Jack Foundation Benefits in Denver. Especially- yeah, we're, we'll talk about Deer Jack uh, as we close today. Um, so uh, his uh, his organization that he started. So, Right, okay, cool. Okay, so special guests for the show included... Bobby Rawl Anderson, formerly of Something Corporate, and Jack's Mannequin, uh, now performing under the name Bob Oxblood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oxblood performed cool. as uh, uh, performed his own opening set and played alongside the Wilderness Band. Brian Ireland, drummer of for Something Corporate, also performed on a few songs in the set. Uh, the Pen and Piano Tour, an American evening with Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness and, and Friends, 
was announced by McMahon on December 5, 2017 and took place between April and May 2018. McMahon described the tour as equal parts, equal parts, beat one storytellers and Mr. Rogers. <laughs> uh, and Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, which is kind of odd. You know? Yeah. I, 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 I guess it would make sense, you know? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> where am I? Where am I? Okay. Special guests included Alan Stone, Zach Clark, and Bob Oxblood. Uh, the single Ohio was released on May 18th, 2018, was regularly performed throughout the, the tour, and later included on the third album. The third album, Upside Down Flowers, was announced on October 2nd, 2018, and released on November 16, 2018. That's a lot of dates, a lot of dates here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So the album announcement co- coincided with the release of the single Teenage Rock Stars. Uh, so Butch Walker of South Gang and Marvelous 3 produced the album. Uh, McMahon embarked on a North American tour in early 2019 and supported the album with opening acts Floor and Greatest Folk. Uh, Bob owned Bob Oxblood joined uh, the tour, ba- the touring band reunited, and the final lineup of Dax Mannequin. Yeah, That's they a lot, man. so it still it still made its way back into um into Jack's Mannequin into something corporate. It, it, you know, as we said earlier, he's he he. It's not that they broke up because they hated each other. It's just they broke up because it just wasn't something corporate anymore. Right, right. And they're all still great friends and they all still play music together. Yeah. So whether that's with, you know, Jack's mannequin or whether that's, whether that's with uh, his solo stuff or it's guest appearances or it's uh, Andrew McMahon in the wilderness or what have you, they're all still great friends and you can still get a taste of it. And I'm sure that they, they throw in songs from their right. path. Right. You know, yeah. you know to, to a good feeling time, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's part of, it's it's what you do to satisfy your fans of like these are the ones that fell in love with you in the first place right. so why not give back to them they wouldn't be watching you right now unless they were fans of something corporate or jack's mannequin you know right and for him to have the career that he's had where he's just spanned so many genres and decades like he's built up a fan base that's unlike a lot of people because it's like like I said, I wasn't a something corporate fan. I was really late to that one after they had quit putting out new music, but Jack's mannequin was my introduction. And now that's no more, but there's someone else that's going to come along. That's like, well, Andrew McMahon in the wilderness was my introduction, but now I've got all this, you know, I've got 20 years of music to go back, for me to go back on. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Um, but yeah, so you know, he's, this is, that's, that's current. That's what he's currently doing now. Um, with the exception of, you know, COVID being a, a thing and having to <laughs> postpone a lot of stuff, but well, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that where he's at currently. Nice. Um, so what, uh, what, what we'll get into now, we're going to talk about his leukemia diagnosis. This was, uh, this is what we've been kind of leading up to this whole episode. Yeah. Um, so on May 27th of 2005, um, three months before the release of Jack's Mannequin debut album, Everything in Transit, 
Uh, McMahon was forced to cancel all of his upcoming concerts after a medical examination uh, in connection with a relentless case of laryngitis. Uh, McMahon was admitted to a hospital in New York City where he was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia uh, on on June 1st, 2005. This is the sad part. The same day that he finished recording everything in transit. So you've got this new project that you're so excited about and you can't wait for people to hear it. And you you wrap up all the recording for it. Boom. Hit with this diagnosis. Like, it's scary it's yeah. you go from being so excited yeah. to just being in the dumps like in a matter of hours um and leukemia is a very very hard thing to you know get past when, when you're here well, it, right. well any any kind of horrific diagnosis is like oh my god yeah. what am i going to do now you know sure and yeah. i'm sure that's what was going through his head it's yeah. like oh no i've i've still got all this thing all these things i need to do right um, but uh, since the illness was diagnosed in its early stages, McMahon's doctors had very high hopes for a full recovery. Oh, nice. Um, over the following couple of months, McMahon received various types of treatment, all while uh, updating his blog uh, to keep his fans informed of the progress of his condition. Uh, in August, uh, or excuse me, August 23rd of 2005, uh, it marked a very significant date for him for two big reasons. Uh, number one, it was the day that his album, Everything in Transit, was released um debuting at number 37 by the way on the billboard top 200 um with over 22,000 copies scanned uh within its first week as well as the day that he received a stem cell transplant hmm. uh with his sister katie mcmahon uh serving as the donor nice. very sweet story yeah um so what better way to get to get like a stem cell thing from your from your own blood you know Right, exactly. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on December 2nd, which is uh, Brian's birthday, by the way, oh, and my okay. sister in law, Christine. Happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on December 2nd of 2005, uh, McMahon celebrated the 100 day anniversary of his uh, stem cell transplant by playing his first concert in six months. I'm sure that was very special. Right. Um, a private, invite only show in a small venue in Los Angeles. Uh, his first public appearance followed 10 days later at uh, Gimme Shelter 05, an acoustic uh, cancer benefit concert at the Roxy in Los Angeles. Um, following these shows, Maverick Records finally started a promotion campaign uh, for everything in transit, including TV appearances by McMahon on Jimmy Kimmel Live, One Tree Hill. Uh, you remember that show? Oh, yeah. Uh, in the episode just watch the fireworks um hmm. last again if you don't know who this guy is yet you're probably getting there yeah now you're probably like oh yeah one tree hill right um last call with carson daly uh steven's untitled rock show which was like my favorite show in the world and i was hooked on it whenever i was like in my emo phase that's um, steven adler no, um, this was, uh, this was just a radio or oh, excuse okay. me. Uh, uh, it was, it came on fuse. Uh, fuse was a, um, kind of like the anti yeah. MTV. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they actually played music. Now I don't think fuse, I think fuse eventually turned into something like MTV. It's pretty funny thinking <laughs> back on it now, but they used to actually play a lot of music videos. Yeah. And Stevens Untitled Rock Show, I think, might have been where I first heard about Jack's Mannequin. Okay. Um, I can't remember, but um, 
and then also the late late show with Craig Ferguson, who always had great bands on his shows. Yeah, always. And Jimmy Kimmel, Slipknot, dude. Do you know how many times Slipknot's been on Jimmy Kimmel Live? <laughs> it's unreal. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, as well as a second music video uh, for the mixtape, like I mentioned earlier, great song, uh, which hit number one on VH1's uh, V Spot. Uh, top 20 countdown on june 9th of 2006 so very mainstream now you're you're hitting the number one spot on vh1 for a countdown show it's incredible yeah um but yeah so this right here this is what i wanted to talk about this this documentary um was something i watched probably five or six years ago it was on netflix of all things um that talked about his uh, leukemia diagnosis and with kind of coinciding with the start of Jack's mannequin. And these were just things I had no idea about. It, it wasn't uh, Jack's when Jack's mannequin was coming out, social media wasn't what it, what it is today. Like, whereas right. I would know about that instantly. Um, I would have come across 20 articles on Facebook already about it. Jack's mannequin was big in 2006 and, uh, I had a MySpace, but I mean, that was it, um, you know, so I, you just didn't know about these kind of things. And, um, but, uh, it's a very sweet documentary. He, he taped everything, um, as a means of, like I said earlier, updating his fans on his blog, but, uh, it, they turned it into a full blown documentary and it's, it's just very sweet to watch. Um, the documentary is called Dear Jack. It was released on October 8th, 2009 on DVD by Warner Brothers and was shown at uh, theatrical screenings in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. The film, which chronicles uh, McMahon's uh, struggle with leukemia, features self-recorded footage in the hospital um, and is narrated by, you'll love this, by his friend Tommy Lee. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Tommy Lee was the narrator on this thing. Uh, the documentary was directed by Corey Moss and Josh uh, Massaro. Uh, two former MTV news producers who covered McMahon's story for the channel, although much of the intensely personal footage was shot by McMahon himself. Right. Um, he he came really close to to dying. It it was it was very bad. Mm. Um, even though they had very high hopes for his uh, recovery, because they caught it so early, he did almost die. And th- in fact, I think he he almost died right before everything in transit came out. So. Oh, very, it was a very scary, I was hoping I could rewatch this documentary before we did this episode, but I can't find it anywhere that I didn't have to pay right. at well, least yeah. Yeah. $10 to watch it. And I was like, I don't know. I've seen it. You know, I can remember some of it, but, um, you know, it, it, if you, by all means, if you want to pay the money to watch it, please do. Cause it's a great documentary, um, kind of showing his struggles of, like I said earlier, the height of his career. I mean, the dude's in his early twenties. I think he was 23 when he was diagnosed. Right. Um, and he's already been in a very successful, uh, band by the age of 23. So young and, and already so successful. He's very excited about this new project. And then boom, hit with this diagnosis. That's like, you might die in a few months. Right. And you've got this album that you've been working on. And it's just like, what was, you know, what's going to happen now, um, which was kind of his mindset 
going yeah. through this in his personal updates. It's like, I've, I've put a lot into this and now I don't even know if I'm going to be able to see it happen. I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to actually see all the work I've put into this project actually come to fruition. So, right. Well, well, I'm glad he's doing so well because he is actually, um, help, helping other people, uh, with the deer hack foundation. Yeah, the deer, deer hack. hack. Is that true, deer hack? <laughs> my note, yeah, my my note messed up when I took okay, it. Okay, okay, so it's deer jack, right? It's the deer jack so foundation, like, not the deer hack I'm foundation. Like, what is the deer hack? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's totally cool, man. Uh, Sausage uh, fingers. Yeah, well, I I guess because I don't know. <laughs> Look at these. <laughs> Look at these big fingers, you know. Meaty claws. <laughs> right. So in July of 2006, I, I, I always say 20-something instead of 2000. Dude, say what you want. Uh, Who cares? This, this is, is our show, right? The land of the free, home of the brave, and this is our podcast. Let's oh, do whatever we want. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so McMahon founded a nonprofit charity entitled the Dear Jack Foundation. Yes. <laughs> to that's raise, it. that's the correct one, yes. To raise, to raise funds for cancer research, uh, the organization's primary beneficiaries are the Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation, the, Le the Leukemia and uh, Lymphoma Society, and the uh, Regents of the uh, University of California, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So in 2014, after the announcement of their second annual Late, Light the Night Walk, uh, the Dear Jack Foundation announced that over eight years they raised a half a million dollars for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which mm. is great. Half a million yeah. dollars, you know? Yeah. So, uh, also, McMahon is scheduled to release a book titled Three Pianos, a Memoir on October 26, 2021, published by Princeton Arch. Architectural Press. Did I say that right? I have to read that. Yeah. I'm really interested in oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially, we may have to do a follow-up on this episode whenever that book comes out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's found a way. It, it's funny how um, you find a way to give back once it's made so personal. You know what I mean? Like, he he's put a lot into this uh, foundation that he started um, after his own diagnosis. And it's uh, you, you hate that. Like, I don't, I, you know, like I I'm, I'm thankful that this is around. I have not been personally uh, in, uh, affected by uh, lymphoma or right. leukemia or anything like that. Um, but, you know, my dad had lung cancer. Um, and, oh, okay. uh, that was something I was just made aware of, you know, and just like understanding the importance of research and, um, practices to try to cure it. Yeah. So his own personal issues of, uh, getting sick led to him doing very, something very successful like dear Jack and, um, Leukemia, a lot of times, is what you see happen, or leukemia is a, a disease that you see, uh, or sickness that you see uh, kids get. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's, really and it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, it's very, it's very, very yeah. sad. 
And uh, so for him to, to do something like this, which really gives back to so many different uh, charities and organizations that are trying to get rid of this foul disease, um, especially the pediatric side of it, the, the kids, man, you, you got to, I don't know, yeah. you feel led to do something like that. And it's very inspiring and it makes me want to do something, even though I've never been affected by that in the same way, but I don't, I also don't want to be in the position right. where it would take me getting sick or God forbid having my own kid and them getting sick for me to open my eyes and be like, Oh my gosh, we got to do something about this. Exactly. So I try to pay attention to things like that before it happens to me personally, just so I can be aware that there are other people out there who deal with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that the music to tie it all back to music. Um, I don't know if these, uh, fundraisers and this money would have been given had he not been such a successful musician right. that had this long career and all the, and this big fan base that he's filled that he's, uh, he's started, um, as a means for people to give money like that. Right. Um, and they have these events and they have these concerts. Well, I want to go see him in concert, but also, my money is going towards this cancer research. Which is great you know? on both ends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Andrew, man, to, to see him be a pioneer of the pop punk movement, uh, to being a pioneer of the, <laughs> the emo resurgence. Right. Um, <laughs> and then kind of embracing the, uh, the power pop, thing that's going on right now we had so we had casey on uh yes. did an interview with uh casey who used to be in, in embracing goodbye and now he's with Heartmouth. yeah um very similar you know like uh, they're the music styles oh we should have asked him about that when we had him on yeah um, we'll have to have him back on and be like yeah. Yeah. you fan of something corporate or jack's mannequin see what he says yeah. um because it's a very similar music style so um i think it's cool to kind of evolve with what's happening in the music scene uh, and stay creative and stay artistic and gain a new fan base, man. Yeah, and, absolutely. and still find a way to give back to your old fans. Like he does, yeah. he does a good job of this. So let me ask you a question before we uh, get out of here. So with everything that he's been through, you know, with the, with the many, many bands, all the success, um, the, the, the leukemia, Mm-hmm. Um, do you think after after this uh, leukemia cure, I think he did, um, do you think that there will be a chance for something corporate to get back together again? You know, to, to revive that whole. Yeah. Okay, well, this is great. Let, let's 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 see where this can go. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Who knows? And I guess to him, the sky's the limit. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially for him to be in remission like he is too. Um, I think, uh, so I read an interview the other day talking about, um, the evolution of his songwriting too. And if you see Jordan was a good example of that, they were like, your lyrics are like F you Jordan, right. uh, in the, you know, in the songs. And they're like, you know, your fans kind of understand your progression. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, I'm very thankful for that because I'm not an angsty 18 year old anymore writing songs about a bully in high school. Um, 
and I've also been through a lot of things, which is why Jack's mannequin is kind of hard for him to go back and do something corporate. I would, I could see him doing something corporate right before going back to doing a Jack's, Jack's mannequin yeah. range, just because he's mentioned Jack's mannequins hard. It's hard for him to continue that name because it just, it coincides with that, that time period you finish wrapping the, the, all the recording for the record. And then the and then same boom. day yeah. finding out that you're sick. Yeah. And I'm sure that, which is, you know, which is understandable because you never want to go back yeah. to where it's such a bad, bad, uh, yeah. time in your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks um, because Jack's mannequin had so many great songs, like so many great songs. And I would love to eventually get the chance to see them live. If they ever did another tour, I'd definitely love to go see something corporate live, but, um, you know, I'll settle for an acoustic show if he does those again. And, uh, he just plays old songs from his career. Well, see, sometimes, most times I think that acoustic sets are, are the most beautiful. Oh man. Yeah. Stuff ever, you know? I well, mean, so- the, the stripping down like the stripped songs are like are, are like the most passionate songs for for me. Yep. You know, I don't yeah, know. I, I, there's something about it, dude. I I I just can't explain well, it's it. It's just you, you so know? intimate, you know, right. and uh, it makes you think about those songs in a totally different way. Yeah. Uh, and when it's just the songwriter, the sole songwriter of that song, sitting there with a guitar or a piano or whatever, and it's just them, and it's like not flashy it's just like the song is being played raw right now um in a way you can kind of look at it as like this is how this song was first written the first time it was ever played in the history ever whether it was recorded or not it was played this way because they were just writing it they're just gathering up ideas and then to know that it grew into something that is classic for you, or maybe you have some type of emotional attachment to that song. You know, I, I'd love to, to listen to him play dark blue. Yeah. You know, just by himself, acoustic stripped down with a piano or whatever, um, you know, or playing hurricane or anything like that. Um, just cause those are, those are the special songs for me. Um, but his his sickness and him uh going through that really tough period with jack's mannequin you you can't blame the guy for saying i don't know if i want to do that it just brings back a lot of bad memories and a really dark time and i guess he tried to push through it as good as he could and it just he he just couldn't do it yeah but you know uh, another uh interesting thing too and sad thinking about it now but um, while doing the research for this episode, I, I watched a lot of old something corporate music videos. And then I watched some, um, Jack's mannequin music videos. And I started out with something corporate. I watched all the classic ones. Um, and then I watched the music video for the mixtape by Jack's mannequin. And you can see the difference between them right? in his face, man. Mm. Like, you, you know, he's kind of, he said earlier he's a he was a pudgy you know right. kid that found it hard to kind of fit in with the California scene. Yeah. And in those music videos for something corporate 
where you can see his his baby face. He's still got it. You know, he's still got some baby fat on his cheeks or whatever. Um, and then, like, the first music video for uh, the mixtape, this is after he was sick. Right. This was, you know, after he finally, like, started to get better. But you can you can see it in his face. He's, like, skin and bones. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know that at the time. Right. You know, yeah. I, I just... You know, I I found the connection because I thought they sounded similar. Right. I was familiar with something corporate, but I didn't know them that well. So I was like, well, that kind of sounds like that one band. And then I found out it was. And then I didn't know till years later when I watched the documentary that he had ever even dealt with that. Yeah. So, but it's, it's really inspiring. The story of Andrew McMahon and his career and then what he's doing now uh, for leukemia research and giving back. It's just, it, it makes me, it makes me want to be a better person. You know, I, I hope that when I'm gone, that someone can look back on my life and say, you know, even though he dealt with something tough, he found a way to make it positive right. and he found a way to make it to, to give back in some fashion. So um, he's doing a good job of that. Cool. And his music is definitely healing not only uh, with uh, with people who are riddled with this disease, but just people that struggle with anything. His music um, has some very deep lyrics, um, especially for me. Like, there's a lot of lyrics I can relate to. Right. And I can throw some, you know, some of his songs on, and it's just like I that. Did. I did. That dude. Gets it. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah, understands yeah. it. He understands how I feel right now. I can connect yeah. with how he's how he's feeling whenever that song came out. You know, yeah. cool. It's the beauty of music, man. There you go, man. That's what the, that's what that's why we're here. You know, it's all about it's yep. the good news. The good news. So that's right, everybody. So thank y'all yep. for listening to the episode eighty-four. I'm back. We actually know what, the, what we're doing here. <laughs> Professional <laughs> people, we are. Yeah. yeah, so um, thank you for listening to episode 84, and we hope that you enjoyed um, our interview with Renee Mata um, and Darren Marler from the Weird Darkness podcast. I know you had a blast talking to them. Dude, I, I went back and listened to that, and I was like, you yeah. sound like an idiot, Blake. You're so nervous, and there was a lot of... um. No, uh, dude. No, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see that. That that's what the fan it brings out in you. You know, you're yeah. I geeked out big time. Yeah. But I, I, man, I thought you did. I, man, I thought you did like wonderfully. You know, I'm so. a big fan of Darren's. Uh, anytime we've had anyone on that, I was a fan of their their music. Like, and we've had a lot of great guests on. Yeah. But it's different whenever it's someone that I'm, I'm not familiar with their music. Right. So I, I feel a little bit more comfortable because I, I feel like I can ask questions more freely and just be like, Hey, how do you feel about so-and-so? Um, right. good example of that is our, our interview with secret keeper, which I love that band yes. now. Like, yeah, I, you know, God, I didn't yeah. know anything about them before. Right. Nope. Now I love that band. So, Absolutely. Um, I'm sure the next time we talk to them, I'll probably be like, "Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true." You know, we had Davey on, and I've been a Calabrese fan for years, yeah. and I was yeah, just like, "You do great, you do great on that I'm one too, man." To this guy, yeah. what's happening? Yeah, so, yeah um, there's a there's an interview coming out pretty soon for for our listeners. Um, we did um a interview with uh 
David Ellison from Megadeth. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? Can you imagine what I would have been like on that that interview? Yeah. The, well, see, the, the thing with that one is we we only had three minutes. I, I thought we yeah. would get an hour. But he had yeah. so so many publicity in it. And so oh, I, sure. Yeah. So I just had to pick two questions out, you know, on on the fly, which I did perfectly, you know, mind you. Yeah. Because we are professionals here. Professionals. <laughs> professionals. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, uh, but um, uh, we're excited to uh, bring this episode to you. And uh, if you don't know Andrew McMahon, you know him now, you know. You know him now. So, yeah. And if you like any of our episodes or this one, uh, make sure you give us a review and give us five stars if we entertained you at least. Please. And yeah, right. And then uh, you can find us on Instagram at When Words Fail Music Speaks Pod. That's P O D, like the band. Like the band. P O D, man. Yeah, <laughs> they're great. You know, we should do an episode on them. That's you know? for sure. So we're all do an episode on bands with dreadlocks. There you go. There you go. Nine point. Non-point, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> non-point again. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, you can find us on Facebook at WWFMS Podcast, Twitter at When Words Fail MS, or you can email us at When Words Fail Podcast at gmail.com. Or if you're tired of putting up your phone, uh, you can find all of our episodes on our website, uh, mm-hmm. com. Yes. And you can find Mr. Brosley at where? At Blake underscore Mosley, M-O-S-E-L-E-Y. That's on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm starting to be more active on Twitter. I'm trying my best. Um, you can also too. check out my YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash, here we go, uh, Mosley with three Ys, M-O-S-E-L-E-Y-Y-Y. Mosley. Um, check out my, uh, <laughs> check out my um, drum videos that I've been posting of me just playing at church. Um, I'm working on getting something that will help me in, uh, include the music tracks as well, Not so, so that way it's not just the drums that are coming through. Like, you guys can hear what I'm hearing in my ears. I promise I'm working on that. Um working on getting my drum shed done so I can start doing some, uh, drum covers. Nice. Uh, it's a lot of hurdles that we've got to get over for that, but, uh, working on it. Yeah. Um, and also ch- while you're on YouTube and you're checking me out, please check out this YouTube channel as well. Um, and subscribe because when we do interviews, we also record it. Um, and we would love for you guys to be able to see who we're talking to, what they look like, um it's just another means of getting our uh getting our show out there also whenever we have special episodes like our comic book episode we did um and our 27 yeah. club we included a lot of photos so that would be cool a lot of visuals for you to check out yeah we, we make we we like to make those a little bit more visual and do you the special youtube episodes for that um but yeah check out the show uh on your favorite podcast app please subscribe um give us some stars and uh, tell us what you want to hear. Give us some ideas for future episodes. Um, we got another Cover Wars coming out soon. Very, um, very soon, yeah. Very excited about that. Uh, we're constantly looking for ideas, though. So if you guys want us to do a Cover Wars uh, episode on a specific song, hit we'll us up. It. We'll do it. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. So thank y'all for listening. And remember to always listen to music. Bye, y'all. If you don't, then you will spontaneously combust. 
There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Bye. See ya.